0: you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. On the podcast today, I have two people that I have wanted to meet for a very long time. These are some of the most well-known and connected restaurant people in Omaha, and everyone that I talk to absolutely loves them. And for whatever reason, our paths just didn't cross for years and years until we ran into each other at the soft opening at Get Real Sandwiches a couple months ago, and all it took was a two-minute conversation with you guys to understand why you're so popular and why everyone loves you. You guys are awesome. Without further ado, my guests today are the co-owners of Night Owl and Fizzy's Fountain and Liquors, Noah and Katie Mock. Guys, welcome to the show. Wow,
1: thank Thank you. That was quite an introduction. Wow. Wow.
0: It, it is 100% earned.
1: So, i happy I have a face for radio. Yes. yeah, Thank you. Uh,
0: that makes both of us. Luckily, <laughs> Katie makes up for it. Yes, yeah, yeah, she gone. does. The obvious better
1: half here. Yeah. Uh,
0: before, like, I definitely want to dive into your individual businesses because they're both fantastic. and I'm a big fan of them both. But first, because you guys are really kind of leaders, I would say, in the Omaha restaurant industry, you know, you, you own two beloved restaurants and bars. Your names constantly come up in conversations I have with other chefs and restaurateurs, And, and it seems like no one has anything bad to say about you. So I, <laughs> I, I think that you guys are uniquely qualified to speak on kind of the Omaha restaurant, bar, hospitality scene as a whole. Since you opened Night Owl in 2014, how have you seen it grow and evolve? And where do you think it's going?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, we have started, uh, we opened in 2014 at Night Owl, and it's been a wild ride. Blackstone District also also changed a lot over those years. And we've seen, uh, over the, especially the last five years, just a whole community really come around um, with some amazing chefs. Um, we actually, we're, we did a pop-up back in 2015 with Ugly Duck. We were the first kind of space to do kind of a community pop-up. And we had ramen, we had a weekly pop-up yeah. and we had um we had uh, AJ Swan to do just ramen that turned into a concept um for the first year we were open so we since we've opened we've always really tried to get involved in community and, and support local um local businesses as much as possible um such as you know archetype and, Coneflower and uh you know T Smith and John's naturals and the list goes on and on and on um I think uh Omaha overall um especially community speaking, like is really tight. So everybody gets along really well. Everybody supports each other. And through the pandemic, you really saw that. Um, We did a lot of really interesting stuff there. And we opened up, you know, we did a Facebook group and we say connected. And we really tried to, you know, um, really try to support each other. And I think that really helped a lot. Um, What do you think about Omaha's food community?
2: Well, I think to touch on what you said, like COVID-19, you know, put things in a different direction, a more positive direction, like we really have to support one one another, lean on each other, because we experienced unprecedented times, and as bad as it was, it did feel nice to connect with other people and collaborate, we, you know, at Night Owl, we did, we worked with chefs and did the... Sunday dinner pop oh, ups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. when, it was, we, when we were to, doing curbside. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, one thing that COVID made me really taught me is how creative you can get because you really have to think. I hate using this phrase outside the box, but I mean, we had to get really, really creative and figure out ways to support each other, support ourselves. And I think collaboration has been the best thing for our businesses and ourselves. Like we just really enjoy doing that. You
1: get more bees with honey, the more you support each other and it's such in a small community, the more that you're going to be successful. So that's always the advice I give to everybody I possibly can in this business when they get started is, you know, support your friends, support your people. And you know, that's all that really matters. Mm -hmm. The rest will kind of work itself out.
0: (laughs) Well, I, something I wanted to talk about even before you guys brought it up was that Sunday pop-up series because I thought it was so cool what you guys did at Night Owl is you guys were you were able to still serve food as as takeout and to go, but there were a lot of restaurants that really weren't, like some of the more fine dining ones, like V-Mertz, like Au Courant, like the Boiler Room. Those were places that had to shut their doors for a long time, and right. you gave them an opportunity on those Sunday nights. You had chefs that came in from there, and they mm-hmm. were able to serve their food, and they were able to to make some money, even if only for a few hours like that can even financially, if it's not making a huge difference, just the ability to get back out and do what those people do and cook and serve people and make them happy. I'm sure it was just huge for their spirits kind of, I guess, where did that idea come from? How did you guys get that thing started?
1: Yeah, that's funny. You ask, um, I was actually sitting with, um, uh, Christina Lee, um, she's she's one of our favorite people, everybody's favorite people, uh, and we were just kind of chatting and, and we were, you know, that was a very kind of interesting point in 2020 where nobody really knew what to do and everybody was in kind of this funk, you know, and we wanted to get creative and I was like, how can we throw a pop-up and maybe I should just call chefs. And she's like, just call everybody. Like, and I'm like, I, it's what I usually do just call everybody. So I called, uh, I first called Tim Nicholson and he accepted and, and uh, then I was like, okay, well, if Tim will do it, Tim's one of my favorite people, um, then maybe everybody else will. And so Ben signed on, uh, Ben Maids from Courant, and uh, a bunch of people. Danny Flores did one with his mother. um, That was like traditional uh, Mexican enchiladas that were unbelievable. And uh, we had some really cool, some really cool chefs. Moots did one, Kane and Colin, and uh, Christina did one. Christina did one, which was huge. Uh, She did the Bulgogi. um, And she's done, I think, two or three now at Night Owl over the years. Um, uh, and that was really, uh, that was really special. We got to see each other, you know, in that limited time and just kind of hang out and chat and just try to get back to normal a little bit. And, and there was lines of cars <laughs> around the block, you know, that was, uh, it was really interesting to see and, and try to figure out how to organize that too, Was you know, how do you, how do we take all these orders and, and figure this out, you know, or the phone, we're not a takeout place. We've never been a takeout place. So you're lucky we're lucky if we even answer the phone <laughs> yeah,
2: <especially weekends. laughs> because
1: you know we consider ourselves more of a bar so you know it's like if we take it take out orders when we can but if it's you know just to the point where it's so busy so that was a very very interesting time and I think it really you know I think we really uh made a lot of people happy during that time you know coming to get that food and everybody kind of had that you know semblance of like oh wow I can eat this food again and even though it's in a to-go box. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bit of sense of normalcy though. Like it was, definitely. it was. And everybody we talked to about it seemed to really say the same thing and enjoy it. So
0: now, even before COVID-19 happened, though, and you kind of touched on this a little bit with Ugly Duck Ramen, you guys were kind of at the forefront of the pop-up culture, sure. I would say, especially in Omaha. Kind of you guys and, and block 16 were the ones who really kicked that off you mentioned ugly duck but also Kathleen and Do Momo station with somebody sure. who popped up and created sure. a concept out of those pop-ups and sure. you did pop-ups with archetype you did pop-ups with Coneflower. flower you've been very collaborative really the whole time night owl has been open sure what was it about like we said like when night owl opened pop-up culture wasn't really a thing in omaha how did you guys kind of figure out this is this is something really
1: cool and and we can get involved in this we can empower other people to do this Sure. Um, we hadn't moved here from Austin, Texas. And so pop-ups at that time, that was in 2000, I want to say 11, 12, were kind of becoming a thing there. And so we kind of learned there like, Oh, okay. It's, you know, Austin at that time, before it blew up, we were pretty lucky we were there before it became this insanely giant blow, like huge community. Um, it's changed so much. Um, does anybody know who's been down there the last couple of years, but, um, You know, that kind of spurred the idea. I was part of uh, quite a few of those in the bar industry there. And so when we came down, it was really simple. Like we had just, you know, we opened Night Owl and um, we were such a service industry bar. And that's kind of why we opened originally was to kind of take care of people who couldn't eat after, you know, I moved back to Omaha. I always remember this. And I remember asking somebody, where can I get a sandwich after like 11 or 12 with a beer? And they all looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah, there's no answer. And yeah, this was and this, was, and this was, and I was like, there's got to be some, there's got to be some late night people here. Like, there's no way. And so that's kind of what gave us the idea, the inspiration for Night Owl in the first place is when we moved back, we knew we wanted to open a bar, but we didn't really know, you know, what we really truly, you know, the concept we wanted to base it on. And there was no late night food. So we knew that running a late night kitchen was going to be a little more difficult. But, you know something we could pull off but at the same time we knew that would be a niche for us you know something that we would give the community that wasn't really here yet yeah so that just kind of you know turned into um meeting all the chefs in town and meeting all the local bartenders
2: we did the rinse and, and repeat series and then
1: yeah we did the rinse and repeat yes. series where we um we invited pretty much every you know bartender in town to come and bartend with us and those turned out to be actually yeah. really popular doing the guest bartenders, night, so they guest come, bartenders. come
2: up with the whole concept and co- they collaborate with our bartenders to do a cocktail menu um sometimes they'd add like a food special with it but that was a lot of those fun. were
1: crazy times yeah because yeah. we would we would have to pump out a menu within about a week or two <gasps> yeah oh, yeah a whole yeah. new cocktail menu within a week or two and so it was kind of like like to call a bartender boot camp for our bartenders because they had to meet with the bartender from another bar and then sit and you know i would of course help guide them a little bit but And they would sit and just crank out a cocktail menu and then put a theme behind it. That's a great way to develop experience. It It learned a lot lot from that
2: tight timeline that they had to.
1: And that's the key to learning. You know, it's like getting, you know, as many ideas as you can for as many people as possible, especially in this business. Um, so, you know, inviting just the simple thing of just inviting people into your, I guess your house, quote unquote, and letting people, you know, and working together really, um, it's it does amazing things for sure.
0: So you mentioned when you come back from Austin, you come back, right? You, right. Were you yes. guys from Omaha originally? We y- grew up in yes. Fremont. Fremont, okay. Yeah. okay. Don't tell so, anybody that. Oh, yeah.
2: we're... <laughs> okay. Well, oh no, everybody knows I just now. Joking. We'll believe <laughs> that. Out. Just so, joking. so,
0: so you you move you move from Austin, and you said you wanted to start this this late night this late night bar for for people who are getting off work and, and sure. they can have something to do as well. And you said you just wanted to. To meet as many chefs and talk, like, are you just like calling restaurants and saying, "Hey, I want to start this concept. Like, can I meet you? Like, what does that look like?"
1: Oh, that's yeah. Um, I think it was just you know drinking. <laughs> 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 Frankly, uh, good way to meet people. Which I, yeah. used to, which I used to do a lot more of back then. Uh, but um, no, I mean, you know, when you when you kind of design a concept around catering to service industry, so you know, cheap, you know, drink specials, you know, elevate, you know, a little bit more elevated cocktails and good bar food. And, you know, dark atmosphere that's open late, that's going to attract a certain kind of person. And that's kind of what, you know, we knew and that's why we play movies and we know we that wasn't really that concept hadn't got to Omaha yet, but when we got here, no. So that was a big deal for us to kind of like and you know, that's there's a lot of influence from Austin and Portland in that bar. We lived in Portland for ten years before well, I did you lived there for six or seven,
2: but well the thing about Portland, like for me is In Oregon, you have to serve food if you're serving alcohol. Oh, interesting! It's the law. So when I lived out there, I got really used to having access to food late, or if somebody's like, "Let's go out for happy hour," I know I can get like a bite or two and have a cocktail. And you know, my first few drinking years were in Nebraska before I moved out to Oregon, and there was never food anywhere. I mean if you went to happy hour usually it was just like cocktails and then I get really hungry and then I hated it and then I cut my happy hour short. So then we got out to I got out to Portland and every place had food and I got super spoiled. And we moved back to Omaha and I was like there's there's no bar with food. And sometimes you don't well, bar want... and grills but not Right, yeah, yeah, right. not, not late like what night we right right like, right. Um so I know that that combined with Noah's need for like being service industry and getting off work and we're like why don't we do this you know and then that's how Night Owl concept was sure born
0: so what was what was the initial reception I mean anytime you're introducing something new like you guys have mentioned like this wasn't in Omaha people didn't know what to expect did, did people like flock to it immediately, or, or did they? Were there Was it kind of slow in the beginning? As people were kind of like, "What is this thing? I'm not used to this." What, what yeah. was it like? Yeah, so we
1: actually have some really funny stories. About that. <laughs> Tell me some funny stories about that. Uh, well, no, so I think that I mean, hopefully somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that we were the first bar in Omaha to not allow kids that had food. So that took a little, and you know, we our whole kind of concept is a little different. You know, we, we order at the bar and then we give numbers. We don't have table service because we kind of funnel everything back to the bartenders. So it's kind of, you know, it's all for the bartenders, but you know, we've, so we had some, a lot of occasions where people would bring in kids and we're like, we're sorry, this is not a place for children. You know, like this is, it's a bar, you know? And, and so that we had some interesting (laughs) things, but people, you know, eventually in the Midwest are, are very tolerant and they, you know, they came around and they realized who we were. And then I think people really enjoyed being able to come to a place without their kids or have kids, you know, mm-hmm. in that atmosphere and eat good food, you know, it, it, at nine or 10 or 11 at night, or even at five in the afternoon for happy hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no. And it kind of, uh, I mean, all the stories we have over oh, the years God. of all the,
2: but I all the craziness. In addition to like people wanting to bring their kids, which, um, always confused me because I was Why like, are you bringing your kids? Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, we're a, we're a bar. We are <laughs> no, right, right, not a restaurant. We just are a bar with food. Like, you know. Right. Um but I think also like the fact that you had to order at the bar, you know, people were always expecting table service. Right. Because we serve food.
1: So we would have a lot of the older demographic and no offense to them, obviously we love everybody but they were like where's my where's my server you know and it was a lot of that in our first couple years and it was kind of you know trying to get you know people to understand like hey we're doing things a little differently and Mm -hmm. uh and you know it did take a little bit but that being said we had a built-in late late night crowd i mean right off the bat we were very fortunate and lucky um that you know when we opened it we did pretty well right off the bat relatively speaking and then you know the the People and started liking our food, and then so we were lucky enough to kind of fill in the early hours until we're, you know, for before the, you know, pandemic, before, you know, 18, 2018 and 2019, I feel like we really, like, you know, got our footing, and yeah. things started really connecting, and, you know, we were busy pretty much the whole time, so. Well, that is a small thing that, if you'll allow me, I would
0: actually like to kind of correct you on something you just said, Katie. You said we're just a bar with food. <laughs> that may be the original concept, yeah. but you guys' food <laughs> is so good that someone like me will go at 530 after work and, right, yeah. right, and happily right. enjoy it. I will go for the – like, I consider it a destination place to go for food. So – you guys may consider it a bar. I consider it a restaurant because no, I love right to eat is. there. We don't care what you call it, Dan. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. we can be whatever you want. We want
0: to be whatever you want us to be. That's but so but seriously, like you guys do serve. You know, it's burgers, it's mm-hmm. wings, it's sliders, it's the familiar bar food classics for the most part, but done at an elevated level. You guys aren't just you know throwing out frozen patties or, you know, your tachos aren't just frozen nachos covered with shredded cheese and melted or anything like that. You're taking these familiar bar staples, but you're putting an elevated version of them out there. How did you kind of decide this is the niche that we're going to have? We're not just going to serve late night food and just serve food that's available so people will take it because it's all that's there. But we're going to serve something that's
1: really good that is going to make people like me come seek it out at all hours of the day. Right. And we, we didn't want to settle, you know, usually when you go have late night food, it's that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. stuff that is, and we felt like, you know what, why don't we just do this really good? And so, you know, we're a very prep heavy kitchen where we, we do everything from scratch. And, you know, I, I was, a I was in the industry since I was 15. So I wasn't, I was in the kitchen. I was, I worked in a kitchen for 10, 12 years, I think from the time I was 15 till. so I was cooking was my first passion. Um, and so for me, that's why we take it so seriously um, and we use, you know, ingredients for everything just from scratch, you know, and, um, you know, we use Wagyu burgers. We use Wagyu with this local farm imperial here outside of Blair and, uh, you know, t- those little tiny things. And then, you know, just being able to, you know, let the ingredients kind of speak for themselves like it makes it relatively easy, but it's really tricky trying to cook that food, you know, in that high a volume. And so. We've we've manipulated the the menu quite a bit to where, you know, we want to keep it small and concise where, you know, you come there for certain things. We don't. This is not cheesecake factory, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was very important to us to have a small menu and kind of cook stuff, um, you know, and just stuff that that, you know, and I have to give a lot of credit to my staff, too, because we've had a lot of great chefs and that over the years that have helped, you know, tweak things here and there. Especially Carlos Suivas right now, who's, he's just doing amazing things in the kitchen and one of our favorite people of all time. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been a really, it's been really fun kind of working with our employees and, and we, we kind of take ideas from everybody. So if you're, you know, Hey, this sounds really good. Or, you know, even our bartenders will be like, why don't we do this? And then we just create it or other cooks in the kitchen, we give them a chance to shine if they want to and, and create specials and stuff like that. So.
0: I love that you say that. And that's something that I hear, I feel like, commonly from successful bars and restaurants is that they encourage staff to, oh, yes. yeah. Very to chip important. in and Very to make important. suggestions. Like, not only does that open you up to more ideas and, and give you more possibilities, but it creates buy in with yeah. the staff, right? Oh,
2: absolutely.
1: You could ha- have no ego in this business yeah. if you want to succeed. And, you know, you have to be able to, you know, that's give people ownership of the business. You know, like, it's not about you. It's about your staff always. Yeah. So that was always something that's very really been very important for us.
2: We definitely don't know everything.
1: <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> that's one of the most important yeah. things that
1: you can say yeah. in life.
2: We do not. No, for sure. Um, so with both Fizzies and Night Owl, yet yeah, like, what Noah said is we do encourage everybody, like, if you see something that's missing that we should be adding, like, should we be doing a certain kind of cocktail? Like, is this food menu item not working or, you know, they're on the front lines. They know better than anyone what's working, what's not working, or this would work great. And it doesn't even have to necessarily be about menu stuff. They should, you know, we love ideas about, well, let's put this on social media or maybe we should do this type of pop-up or, you know, when we we do. we encourage
1: employee pop-ups. Yeah,
2: we love doing employee pop-ups where they come up with a concept and, you know, we love it. I mean, we don't want anyone to be shy. They can always tell us what they want to do in whatever way. You know, we always talk to the staff about when we come up with an idea, especially for Night Owls anniversary, we always do something and we always talk to the staff about it. and would be like, is this a good idea? Does anybody else have thoughts? So it pays, it really pays for us. It works.
0: And you guys are very frequently, at, especially at Night Owl, running specials, whether it's around the holidays. You do the yeah. holiday balls, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which are croquettes <laughs> right. stuff with mashed potatoes and turkey, among other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have right. the different bao buns available on Wednesdays. Right now, you guys are doing the Korean corn dogs on oh, right. Tuesdays, which are just... Absolutely insane in all the right ways. I'm sorry
1: I did that to you last time you came. You
0: have nothing to apologize for. So what Noah's referencing, I had a buddy and I, we came in, and we each got burgers and fries, and we're just very happy. We're about three-quarters of the way through our meal, and he comes over with this Korean corn dog, which, to be clear, it's a Wagyu corn dog that is encrusted in French fries and then deep fried. This thing weighs like two pounds, and he's like, oh, we just wanted to share this with you. We ate yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> we should. Should we have eaten the whole thing? Absolutely not. Yeah. Did I spend an extra forty five minutes on the elliptical the next day? Yeah. I did, and it was worth every second right. because that thing was delicious. But getting back to the original point, are these examples of things that other people are coming up with, or, or where do these, where do these specials, these crazy ideas, these things that you're not seeing on any other menu in Omaha, where are they coming from?
1: Um, those come from Carlos and I, just kind of, you know. Yeah, just kind of uh, going back and forth. And I I did a lot of research on, I love Korean food. So that's one of my biggest, my favorite things to kind of make. And that's why we do Korean uh, chicken wings. And we use, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but we use potato starch. Mm. And that gives it that kind of really nice crust on it. It's not too harsh for breading, but it gives it like that. If anybody's ever ate our wings before, they know it's like a, it's a different kind of crunch. Um, And... You know, the Korean corn dogs, I've just, I've seen those a lot and it's always been something I wanted to. They, in Korea, they call them goblin goblin clubs. <laughs> and they're really popular with like Korean kids because they kind of look like a goblin's club. Right. It's really cute. Um, and there was, we've always, we, we did used to do corn dogs and they were kind of a pain. It's this is a kind of inside restaurant stuff that nobody realizes. And we, everybody was really upset with us because we had to take the corn dog off the menu. And it's because we have to, we had to cook them at a certain temperature. We couldn't drop, and so we couldn't sacrifice a whole fryer for a night. So a lot of people are like, "Why are you taking those offals?" Like, well, we can't keep, like, we can't sacrifice a whole fryer for one menu item, and you know that's a hard thing to understand for a lot of people. But because they would burn if they're at, if they're cooked at a higher oil temperature. So this allowed us. This corn dog is the same kind of thing. We can't cook it at a higher temperature, but we just wanted to bring it back as as a daily special. And I think it's one of those things that really works as a daily special or a weekly, like once a week special. Cause you don't want to like, if that was available all the time, <laughs> it's a special treat, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's it gets, it helps like people come in on Tuesday nights. It's know? something yeah. worth planning your week around. You yeah. say, yes, yeah, I'm going right. to
0: have a salad on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then I'm going to have a Korean corn dog on right. Tuesday. <laughs> yes. No,
1: it's, exactly. Yeah. you got to plan your whole week around. That. Right. Yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, Carlos is, comes up with all the burgers of the month that we do and he just does an amazing job. I just let him lose um, a lot these days and he's, he does a great job. And then, you know, any time that I'll be just travel, you know, traveling always helps. Um, I always recommend people like please go travel as much as you can um, and uh, you know, pick up other ideas, you know, and just kind of try to put your twist on them. So that's what Carlos ended up doing. He ended up doing, you know, like Frito battered and then Cheeto battered. And then he did a Frito pie corn dog that was insane. That was, uh, you know, every week he's kind of switching it up. But that was the original, which I was, that's the, like, that's a very, very traditional Korean corn dog that we gave you. It's kind of crazy, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't think it would be something that you would get in Korea. Oh. No, because no, it has ketchup and mustard and it's, you know, powdered sugar. And we put goju jang in the ketchup to kind of spice it up a little bit to give it that Korean flair. But I don't even think they do that in Korea. I mean, it's just like ketchup mustard. And then that batter, that batter was really tricky. I can
0: imagine. Like, even when I describe it to people, they're kind of like, wait, how does that work? That it's French fries (laughs) and they encrust the dog in
1: the fries. So you have to make a very thick batter and that, that adheres to um, that adheres to the hot dog, you know, but then also, that also can carry, you know, small chunks of potatoes. So like we, you know, we, we, we wank the fries and then we, you know, cut them up and then we, you know, top that on top of the batter and then fry it. So you have to, it's kind of a, it's a trick, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, layer it and then, you know, mold it with potatoes and then put it in the fryer. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. My 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 kitchen would kill me if we had to do that. (laughs) We had to do that every night. My kitchen would not be happy. So that's why we just do it on Tuesday nights. It's totally worth. Oh no! Right, right. Just to try. I'm glad that you liked it. I really appreciate it, yeah. Yeah, of
0: course. Hey there listeners, we'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I gotta remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. I love when restaurant menus list all the different producers and farms where their meats, cheeses, and vegetables arrive from. It gives me confidence that I'm eating a quality product because the restaurant is proud to attach its name to the brand. The same goes for beef, and that's one of the main reasons why I love Certified Piedmontese. Certified Piedmontese is farm-to-fork traceable as it purchases its cattle from a trusted network of family ranches in the Midwest. All certified Piedmontese beef is raised without hormones, steroids, or antibiotics, and it's 100% source verified by Where Food Comes From Incorporated. And when you buy certified Piedmontese, you know where your food is coming from and why it tastes so good. Place your order today on piedmontese.com with my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, and feast on delicious, safe cuts of beef with confidence. And now, back to my guest. So, we were kind of talking off the mics a little bit before we got started. I was not aware of this, but you made me aware. There's going to be some changes coming up to the Night Owl menu. Do you want to highlight a few of those things? Just anything you're comfortable talking
1: oh, about. Oh, yeah. That. So we um, will do – we're actually going to put bow on the menu because oh, yes. they've been so popular. And that was our first intention when we first We originally opened.
2: wanted to do that on our first we, menu.
1: And for whatever reason, a long time ago, we decided to switch it to sliders. Um, but uh, we've been doing some kind of really fun stuff, and I think we're going to incorporate some of that into the menu. And then a couple new snacks and then some new wing flavors. Um, and then um we're going to switch out probably, you know, four or five things maybe. Don't worry, we're not getting rid of the <laughs> we're gonna take Tachos off the menu. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Oh.
2: <laughs> they don't yeah. sell well. You would so. you yeah, would yeah, cause yeah, a yeah. riot
1: in Omaha, I think. <laughs> At least among my friends. They'd be like, I oh, don't know. I just like to say that. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: it's the house that Tacho's built. That's our house. So, mm-hmm. yeah. For, for anyone who has not
0: had Tacho's, like, like I mentioned earlier, we're not talking like just some tater tots with just like stuff thrown on top of it. These are tots that are fried, crunchy, just golden brown. They're excellent on their own if you just get them like with a burger. But you guys top them with queso crema the salsa verde that's just awesome some veggies like it just all works and it's, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier like it's not just bar food it's bar food but elevated by some real like all from scratch, chef yeah. quality mm-hmm. stuff right right
1: it's amazing what happens when you just cook stuff from scratch you know it takes extra work but i mean it just it really pays off and it helps your costs you know mm-hmm. um but the Tachos is funny because we were living, we were in Austin, so those have a very kind of Tex-Mex feel to them. And in in Portland, for some reason, Tachos were extremely important back in, or ex- extremely popular back in the late 2000s. So like 2008, 2009, every bar had them on their menu, but it was just like fake cheese mm-hmm. and black olives and kind of just like this whatever. I never ordered them. But I always kind of locked that in my brain, like, what a cool idea. You know, like, what if you that made a twist be on it? That Yeah. And so I got home one night in Austin after, you know, drinking, obviously. <laughs> we had some time. And we had uh, – I always remember we had some um, green salsa from Torchy's Tacos, which is one of my favorite taco places. Oh, in, it's excellent. In Austin. And uh, we had some leftover, like, queso um, from Torchy's. And then we had tots in the fridge that you bought for some reason um, in the freezer. And I made – I was like, hey, I'm going to throw this together. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> and so we got back to Omaha, and we were trying to think of, like, we need another potato option. And we didn't even think about how much of a craze. We had a freezer. No,
2: I hadn't. Yeah, no one told yeah. me that. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess Because, you know, it's good. very
1: nostalgic. It reminds you of being a kid. That's what yeah. tots kind exactly. of it is. It's cafeteria food, you know. And it's like, what about if we just made them as really good, as good as we can with fresh ingredients like queso fresco? And then we, we roast off all the peppers and make our own green salsa for that. And you can really tell. And it's, I mean, that green sauce is a lot of work. And it goes on a plate of fried tater tots. You know, and I think that's what kind of makes it what it is. You know, it kind of makes it, gives it that kind of twist that mm-hmm. makes it stand out a little bit. Um,
0: the house that Tacho has built, that's, that's like the subtitle to the night a- book. When, when that gets written in 20 years. I'm excited for it.
2: When we moved into our house... We only use boxes from our tater tots. What? Yes. (laughs) Oh my goodness! Yes, we were packed because I we were moving from our rental. We bought a house, and I was like, "Oh, we need boxes. I'll just get them from the bar," you know. And um, I'm doing all this packing, and I'm realizing, like, oh my gosh, we're moving into our new house after opening this bar, and we're using tater tot boxes <laughs> to move in so that's yeah it's uh we've done well with the tater tots unexpectedly
1: <laughs> and you just it's a, the funny thing is when you open a place you never know what's going to be it's always the last thing you think is going to yeah. be popular or ends up being popular and any any chef or anybody who ever is open a place will tell you this like it's always the last thing i mean we put that on as a joke remember we talked about it we're like
2: yeah i you know, like, like, oh,
1: it's just, oh, it's a fun, like, you know, kind of a novelty thing. Yeah. That, and we had no idea. It's just, I, we're not going to act yeah. like we did. We had absolutely no
2: idea. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I knew like, we wanted to make good food, but I never thought it would get the attention that it does. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, we, I was like, we're in a bar, so we'll just sell a lot of cocktails. And then when people get the munchies, well, you know, yeah, that was they the can intention have some tater tots. Like, I didn't yeah. know that.
0: It is the perfect late night sharing food. It
2: is. It, it is. is. And, it's, we, that, so that, and so that's why the booze we. It's really right. well. It's and satisfying. Yeah. It has nostalgia. We all remember tater tots from school cafeteria. Mm-hmm.
1: And that was, what that's why we put it on the menu because we wanted something where people could share. Yeah. That's a, that's the main reason why we put it on. Like, okay, yeah. people can, you know, three or four people can eat this or whatever. So, Well, I think so much of it does go back to that
0: nostalgia like you guys talked about in that. Yeah. Tater tot, they are just, like, such a comforting Seriously, thing. And yeah. they're not nearly as available as French fries. Mm-hmm. Like, we see loaded fries everywhere. So it's just kind of like, okay, you know, that that's great. But I, I know that. But right. to have this thing, like... If you order tachos for the first time, I think you have an expectation, kind of like what you were talking about, Noah, that it's just going to be tots with nacho cheese and black olives, you know, some canned jalapeno, jarred jalapenos, whatever. And then you get that. Yeah, no. And you take one bite and you're just like, whoa, (laughs) this isn't what I was expecting. This is delicious. That's how something gains a cult following. You give someone... Something they're not expecting and elevated, and then they're going to tell their friends about it. And next time
1: they come, they're like, hey, we're getting tachos. And And then they tell their friends. They tell their friends. And that's what we kind of always talked about from day one is that we don't, you know, in a bar setting like that, we wanted to surprise people. You Mm -hmm. know, we wanted people to come in and be like, wow, their drinks are, like, why are their drinks so good? And then, wow, why are their food so good? I mean, that was the whole intention is, like, that element of surprise. And I think that really worked for us in Idaho. I think it really did, and that's always was kind of our intention. Mm-hmm.
2: And from not day only one, with know. the food and drink, we like doing that with the atmosphere,
1: Yeah, the and atmosphere is just as important to us as yeah. anything we else. like it's just lo- it's level with food and drink for us for yeah. sure. It's very important.
2: Well, Noah's mom is an interior designer, and she always taught us with design. So keep in mind if you're designing a menu or your your walls or your space or anything, there should be an element of discovery all the time. So. Uh, there it,
0: certainly is yes, at night yes
2: i <laughs> always yeah there should always be discovery whether it's a dream you you're something having new every time or you come
1: back you, know, you one know of the
2: velvets that, on the right. wall like we want everybody to keep discovering something
1: or one of the weird movies that we back. play every yeah. time you know. Stuff like that. Yeah. So
0: for anyone who hasn't been in a night owl, a hey, what are you doing? Get to night owl. <laughs> but if you haven't been in there, it's just, it is such an interesting space because it's it's a low lighting space. The bar is kind of sunk into the ground a little bit, so you kind of like walk down to the bar. There are these just wild paintings on the walls of aliens and and just all kinds of different things. Yeah. But of course, there is just the giant TV in the center that's always playing some like offbeat. 80s or 90s movie like the last time I came in Demolition Man was playing (laughs) and I'm like eating I'm eating my burger and watching Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes like beat the heck out of each other (laughs) as you know you talked about the importance of that atmosphere as you guys were kind of building out Night Owl and thinking about you know we want this to be the, the late night spot how did you kind of start to settle on the elements of what created the atmosphere and the vibe in the rest er, in the bar. Excuse me. I keep wanting to call it a restaurant.
1: It's a bar. Oh, sure. No, it's, well, you could call it whatever you want. It's, okay. Restaurant <laughs> it's bar. Here, right? both,
2: both fizzies and night owl are us hundred mm-hmm. percent. That is our personality. So it was like night owl. When we opened it, we wanted to bring together our favorite things, food, drink, good music and movies like, so the, a lot of the movies that we play, we're really strict about what we play. You know, people can't just bring in something and play it. Um, they all channel our nostalgia for the most part. So like those cheesy 80 movies and 90s and stuff like that, it's, it's stuff that had an impression on us at some point in our life that we want everybody to watch because it's just so great. And when they're awesomely bad, it's...
1: That know, culture didn't get any
2: better I, than
1: that. We, we wanted we want to hold on to that culture, you know. Yeah, like there's a lot of there's a lot of you know, I'm not gonna say kids these days, but kids these days that have no idea how cool that stuff is back in those like in the 80s, yeah. and you know, it, there's, there's no CGI. It's all handmade, crazy puppetry, and you know, like paper mache stuff, and it's really fun to watch, especially yeah. when you're just out, you know, drinking. So, you know, that was that was a big deal, and and that was an idea that um I kind of. Developed from a bar in Austin, kind of, but a guy that owned the Jackalope Bar in downtown Austin where we used to go hang out before our shifts when back when I was bartending in Austin. And he would play the weirdest stuff on this tiny TV out in the patio. And we would watch it. And I'm like, that's a really good idea. And he would just have this giant closet of, like, the weirdest VHS tapes you could possibly imagine. And so we don't go that crazy, but, you know, we keep it relatively to where we're not freaking anybody out too much. But, yeah. you know, it's – uh you know, I think it it's really, we had we had no idea, again, that that was going to make such a connection with the people of Omaha. Yeah. And that, and that was really cool to see that people were like, you know, they'll come in and watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll be like, oh, I'm going to close out. I'm like, wait a second. And then they'll sit and watch the rest of the movie because they got to keep watching well, it, you know? It's so, great
2: for people that come in by themselves. You know, right, they just want exactly, to sit at the bar and right. have a drink and what's, you know, we have the subtitles on so you can right. follow what's going on, you know?
1: And then we also did a lot of Omaha history in the bar. You know, the Sunken Bar is kind of an Omaha Steakhouse thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was uh, very popular back, you know, when they used to build restaurants here in the 50s and 60s. And so we want to kind of create that to make it look like an older space. And then, you know, the, the giant booze that are the group booze that are behind the bar um, underneath the sleep stack and all the velvets. That's an old uh, bench from the Ranch Bowl. We bought that at auction from the so anybody who's lived in Omaha for a long time has sat on that, and they're like, "Where do I know this from?" It's like, "This from the ranch." Well, no way, you know. Uh-huh. So like, we tried to we we love to go to auctions and buy secondhand stuff, and and that's kind of where all those velvets are from, and and kind of all of our furniture is the, most of it is from old Omaha or Lincoln. And so we bought the booze, those big kind Humble. of pew booze, yeah. from a mom and pop um, Mexican restaurant that closed down in uh, Bancroft, Nebraska. I want to say no,
2: Bennett. Bennett.
1: Nebraska. I always say Bancroft. Bennett. Yeah. Outside Lincoln. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot of history in that bar, even though it's only seven or eight years old. Yeah. That's amazing.
2: We do a lot of vintage and repurposed stuff in both bars, especially fizzies. But mm-hmm. Night All has its share of, yeah, of stuff whole nother, that we, Fizzy's yeah. Story. <laughs> uh,
0: going back to just the whole, like, classic movie thing, I, I wanted to hit on this real quick because, like, that gives me a hit of nostalgia because something right. that my friends and I when we would, what we did in college a lot of times, like, if we weren't going out to the bars or we just wanted to have a night in, we would turn on sci-fi sure. and just watch, like, Sharktopus or, like, oh, yeah. giant giant mega shark versus you epic dinosaur or something yeah. like that. And we would, right, like, right? we would make, like, sorry, Mom and Dad, we would make drinking games to these <laughs> movies and be, like, okay, when this, when X ridiculous thing happens, everyone takes a drink. And, like, when I went into Night Owl and I saw those movies playing, I was, like this is kind of that same thing. Like it's entertaining and it's fun, but it's also cheesy. And and it's just like, it's a great, it's a great conversation starter. Exactly. It just, it creates conversation. You don't have to fully focus on it. Right. right. But if you are like, just kind of hanging out and you want to be entertained, well, here's this hilarious thing that's happening right (laughs) in front of me. And it's, (laughs) it's great to talk about. It's great to like, be like, Hey, look at that. Let's laugh at it. It's, It's really fun.
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah. We, yeah we were really surprised how well that went yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah to be honest we were um, I
2: was so happy that people liked it yeah no for sure yeah
1: for sure so you mentioned
0: in kind of that 2018 2019 range right before the pandemic started, mm-hmm. you said like you felt like that's where you really started to find your your footing at Ooh, night hour right, what right. was it that gave you that sense or maybe what was it that made you feel like you'd not arrived, I don't think is the right word, but you started to feel more comfortable.
1: Oh, yeah. I think it was definitely uh, the training program that we instilled and then our staff at the time. I think that we were just firing on all cylinders and, uh, you know, it was a great time. Um, it was where I could, it was one of those times where it was just like, oh, wow, this place is just doing what it's. <laughs> and, you know, for any restaurant owner will tell your bar owner, that's like a really good feeling when that happens. And it takes a lot of work to get there, um, especially when it's that busy, you know. So that was... Um, that was, we, we kind of do a thing at Night Owl where we quickly realize that in order to find good staff, um, you know, it was just really hard to find people off the street. It's a small town. So we we have a full tra- scale training program where we find the right people and then you come in and then we work you up through the system and make sure that, you know, you're taken care of, obviously. But, you know, you go from food runner to bar back and then to bartender and then we teach you every element of how to make syrups, how to make bitters, how to, you know, teach you about liquor, teach you all the techniques, and then we just slowly work you into bartending. So by the time you're bartending, you're fully, you know, engulfed in what we do. And so that was when we first, uh, one of our first bar owners, I'm um, sorry, bar managers, Jordan Ellsbury, who's a dear friend of mine. He now has a bar in France, but him and I kind of developed the whole training program. And that's when we started seeing that payoff. That really, you know, that really kind of cemented a lot of things for us. So,
0: well, that that's very unique to have a training program, at least from what I understand. And I, I
1: haven't heard very many other restaurant owners no, talk about it. No, no, it's uh, it's very common in bigger cities. Okay. Um, and but you know, bigger cities are different because they have their pick of people. Here we don't. You know, I mean, it's very it's different. It's a small community.
2: It's a, a small, small community,
1: market. and nothing against yeah. Omaha. It's just there's a lot of you know people go to Chicago New York and LA to bartending and they, you know, they have, might have bartending experience from that small town, you know, but they have to, you know, they have to still go through somewhat of a training process when they get to this new bar, Um, especially if it's a well-known craft bar or something that's, you know, so we really wanted to, it was really important uh, for us to develop that Um, and it works great. So, you know, you, by the time you get up to that point, and you become a bartender, you know where everything is. You, you know, you know exactly how to bartend, you know, you, you know, you're comfortable going, you know, to the, culture. Yeah, and you know the culture, you and, know, the culture and know for us, culture atmosphere. is everything. I mean, culture is absolutely everything. So um, it's been really, that's my, that's my personal favorite thing is watching all these employees come up through this and learning and, and seeing them kind of progress in that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like my big thing. Well, and you know, food and drink and making cocktails but, of it. Uh, of course. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to say to that? No, no okay. <laughs> I think you nailed it. <laughs> we have so far
0: we focused very heavily on the food, and that's because I'm a food guy first and foremost. Oh, sure, but but we have to talk about cocktails. We have to talk about drinks too, because that's a huge part of the just the vibe at Fizzies oh, and Night Owls, right. obviously as well. Sure. sure. So like, as your other than being like you know, the light night hangout place. As you're establishing what Night Owl is going to be and then eventually Fizzy's later on, and maybe that's a slightly different answer, but how did you kind of differentiate the cocktails or the bar, you know, how did you make Night Owl and Fizzy's a different bar than what people can expect to other places in terms of the drinks?
1: Yeah, do you want to? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, what we do is – what we do is just kind of, we want to be accessible, but we also want to do some more esoteric stuff. So, like, we want to kind of create, you know, of course, we always use fresh juice and we always use, you know, really good ice. So, like, ice to a bartender is like heat to a chef. It's very, very important because that's how you, you get your dilution right and you, you get your drink the proper temperature. I mean, I'm a nerd. I can talk about this forever, but. Let's uh, talk yeah, about but, it.
0: Like I, I've like, literally never heard yeah, this before. Oh, Usually, no, I just no, see no, bartenders right. just throw oh no, ice in a
1: glass. no, sure, sure. So you have to, you know, you're, there's a lot of there's a lot of steps and technique into creating, you know, a proper cocktail, and that's what gets that proper flavor. And so if you, you know, it has to be balanced, and it it takes, a, you know, a, so we we do that by community also. So we have giant meetings where we sit down and we're like, okay, what does this need? What should we add? And then we kind of. So like, you know, most original or most new age cocktails are built on classic cocktails. So a riff, to say that word, but a riff on a classic cocktail. So like a Manhattan or an old fashioned, then we kind of take that base and it's, and then we, we infuse our own ingredients into it to make a variation on that cocktail. Now that can have different flavors, but that's a really good baseline for what you want to do to create a new, a new cocktail that's your own. And then when you get really good, then you can just not even, you can just build a cocktail off a whim, but that takes many years, in my opinion, to be able to get to do that. But, um, so, you know, it just kind of depends on kind of the level of talent and our staff at the time, you know, we just sit around and we talk and then we figure it out and then we build it together. And then, so everybody feels like it's part of it. And that's why, you know, the, the, I think the menus are special to us because they come out and the bartenders are really hyped about it. It's like, that's my cocktail, you know? And that really, I think helps, that's that differentiates differentiates us from a lot of places in town, I think. Um just that ability to like, hey, you know, the bartender can talk about this cocktail and be like, Hey, this is mine. I made this and I'm really proud of it. And that gives an extra level of service, I think, that you might not get some other places. And hopefully they're good. <laughs> I so I'm so I'm an, that's, that's another thing. Um, I'm
0: an old fashioned junkie, so like that's that's my go to. So I've never had anything else at night owl because you guys' old fashioned is so good, that's what I'm just going to order every time. Like, should I step out and try something else? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Have I? No, because I'm just I'm like addicted to it. So I would love to be able to tell you my opinion of your other drinks, but you're you're old fashioned. Unfortunately and, uh, for you, it's too good. So I haven't been able to try anything
1: else. And they, they call it an old fashioned for a reason. It's the best cocktail oh. ever invented it, Cause it's the simplicity it's again. Yeah. And it's just Angostura bitters and sugar and whiskey. And you know, that's, that's the classic combination that will, it'll, there's no, there's no, every single bar that does higher, higher end cocktails, old fashioned is a, is the highest selling drink. I mm-hmm. can almost guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, especially people who like a whiskey bar or something, I mean, that's always going to be the number one thing. So, I mean, how can you not love an old fashioned? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's, it's the best, you know? Right. It
0: really is. So when you talk about like, you know, just kind of collaborating with staff, just bouncing ideas off the wall when it comes to cocktails, having them create their own, are there any over the years, are there any that kind of like come to the forefront of your mind, like Oh, that was a really cool story. Or the the way that this cocktail came together was really special. Or, you know, maybe you had a staff member who just, who started super low and worked with you for a long time and they got to develop their own. And that was like a special moment for them. Are are there any special
1: ones that come up? Yeah, there's a ton. I'm just trying to think of one that, you know, I mean our highest selling cocktail ever is a time Lord. Um, And that was again, built by Jordan Ellsbury. Um, And that was, it's a very strange combination of flavors. Um, and well, not necessarily strange, but it's a low ABV cocktail and it has bronca menta, which is, um, like a very minty earthy fernet, cause it's, it's an Amaro and then uh, pims which is a, a, you know, an English like flavored gin, basically like with a lot of botanicals, which is low ABV, which is, doesn't have a lot of alcohol and then pineapple and lime and then cucumber oleo, which is, uh, you know, you take peels, fruit peels, and then you soak them in sugar overnight. till so they macerate, and then you put cucumber juice on that. And you filter it out. So it's like this really rich, citrusy cucumber juice, basically. That's really sweet. And that's our sugar base. Um, so it's like just this really fresh spring cocktail that people just kind of fell in love with. And once again, here we go. It's like the last drink we think anybody would like. And it's like we we can't take it off our menu. Every time we try, everybody's like, give me the time. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's, it's been one of those drinks that we just like, all right, let's take it off for a year. And then we bring it back because everybody's asking for it and. You know, and that's a good thing. Like that, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, you're only being in this business. You always want to keep it fresh. You have to switch out, and you have to keep, you know, pushing yourself all the time. And so, yeah, we usually do that with the cocktails, and not all seasonally usually, mm-hmm. um, where we create like 13 new cocktails a season. It's a lot. It's but you, but you love it. I can oh, tell, of course. I can tell oh, the yeah. way you talk oh, about yeah. it. Like, no, I, yeah, no, it's this my favorite is thing fun to do. for you. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do for sure.
0: So listen, next time you order a cocktail, under like, it's like a science. It that is. goes into this between
2: if anybody. Does, does. Yeah. Now people can know what goes behind it. It's a whole lot. I feel it's, like
0: we is, could it. have
1: a whole nother hour just on that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's very culinary. Uh-huh. You know, it really is like, it's, you know, that's why you see so many people, uh, you know, get into bartending from being a chef or being in coffee because you're, you have your mise en place, you have your station, right. And then you have your technique and you have your way that you have everything set up and it's very culinary. And so you layer flavors like you would in food. So it's fascinating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So, like, no, and so this it, is awesome. And, it,
1: and it's very, and so, you know, what do you use? You use the freshest ingredients, right. In food, well, you use the freshest ingredients you can in your cocktail. It's the same. It's very, very relative very close yeah
0: you guys are just too much fun
1: we we've been we've been going at this for almost an hour like
0: we're getting up against the clock we like we barely scratched the surface on cocktails which i would love to talk more about i apologize because we barely scratched the surface on fizzies and that's a bar and establishment that is worth highlighting on its own i might have to bring you guys back and we can just dedicate the whole episode to fizzies i would love that And
1: dan thank you for everything you do you're a great guy thanks for uh, doing this for the omaha community and Thank you. Everything you do, you got us through a lot on your uh... at Physis, <laughs> <And fizzies> especially. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, I've got a couple more questions. For oh yeah, of course. I'm not letting you out yet. Oh,
2: cool. yeah, I'm you sorry. I'm were closing out. sorry. The clock. Yeah, I know.
0: Uh, I'm, well, I'm glad that you were. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. We we got we got two more
1: questions. Okay,
0: cool. That I Great. I am very excited to ask you guys, and I like to ask these of everyone who comes on the show. First one: What is one thing? that most diners don't know about the hospitality industry, bar or restaurant. They don't know that you wish they did.
2: <laughs> Noah, you probably wouldn't take this one. You're oh, your like a of a, a service like a, industry veteran. Yeah, this better, is a like
1: one-hour so. answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just, um, you know, basically, oh, man, where do I even start? Uh, I guess overall just um, how much it takes to get that food in front of your table and how much it takes to get the cocktails to your table and the work that goes into it um, is, especially if you're, you know, eating at a place that, that cares, you know, it, it's, you know, you might, employee might not show up one day cause they're hungover, or an employee might be in a, you know, or something might happen where, you know, the kitchen's out of something and, or, you know, the Cisco truck or whatever didn't bring the ingredients and you, and you have to 86 it. Well, why don't you have this, you know? There's a lot of things, there's so many things that take the right thing to happen to get that to the spot it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times people just expect it to be there. And well, I think
2: sometimes if something, yeah, if something's 86, it's not on the menu, it's kind of like, I feel like we always get this look like, well aren't you doing your job? Mm -hmm. Like, there's kind of like like this, you're an idiot kind of look. And it's like, no, seriously, if you only knew (laughs) the story behind this.
1: Well, and that's something that we're dealing with right now with inflation and and supply chain issues. And it's just really hard to run any kind of food establishment right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody tells you the same thing that comes on the show. I mean, it's like the hardest time to run a place in the history of probably in the last 40, 50 years. So, um, you know, that just... You know, that's why it's like, you know, we're, you don't want to be like, oh, give it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just kind of, it's a, it's a hard deal. Like you just have to be patient. That's all. And like, I try to tell everybody, you know, and everybody has been great. I can't really say that we've had, you know, any like, especially our clientele at Fizzies has been amazing. Like I can't give them Fizzies enough credit. Client, yeah. A, like our regulars wonderful. down there are just, are just great. Like yeah. they understand, you know, that. You know, you just, sometimes things just don't come in, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and, and they don't, you know, nobody throws a fit or it's not a big deal. But I think that I have seen a gradual improvement as after the pandemic, you know, during the pandemic, it was very rough, but I think that, you know, now that people are coming to starting to come out again, I think they have a little bit more, they're a little bit more humble about how things work. And I think that they may have, may have had some time to like read how the, the, the industry works a little better. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely seen an improvement on that. Yeah. So there's something positive to think about. I don't want to be too down, but yeah, you know, that's, I, I definitely have, I, I get that, you know, people are tipping pretty well. And uh, cause you know, like everybody's burned out, you know, like it was the roughest. <laughs> that's why so many people left the industry, you know, which is really sad because, and I, and I don't blame them. You know, there's only so much abuse you can take before you, you know, before, it, you know, you can't take it anymore, basically. Which I, which I, which I, unfortunately I saw happen a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing is just, you know, realize it's people that are doing this and like people are working very hard to, to make this happen for you. And that's all, but that's a whole nother thing. Like I want to get, I want to get rid of tipping. (laughs) So (laughs) I got some really crazy. I'm here for it. Other (laughs) other, countries do it. Why exactly? I I just don't understand. We give people benefits and, and make it a real job and, and and give it the respect it deserves, you know. But that's a whole nother conversation, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Literally makes no sense. Yeah. Okay. But to get out on a positive note... Sure. Both you guys, what is your favorite part about being in the hospitality industry? That's a good question.
1: You want to start first?
2: Oh, I don't know. Well, actually, I do know. Uh, I think the creating aspect is really, really fun. When... Noah and I came up with Night Owl and Fizzy's concepts. I think we have a lot of creative chemistry together. And when we start on an idea, we'll bounce things back and forth. And we're just so on the same page. And it's so fun to create an experience for people. And I like to think that both bars does that quite well.
1: Yeah, creative, I mean, that's my one of my number ones. But my biggest one is, like, if I'm having a bad day or whatever, services are running great, But then I, like, walk out from the kitchen or something, and I'm trying to put out a fire or whatever, and then I see a guy or somebody just eating a burger in their face. Just <laughs> They're drinking a cocktail. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's why I'm doing this. Like, because, you know, making people happy, That's that's all it really is, you know. We provide that, they, escape. You got, you got <laughs> to love, you got to love people if you're in this business is what I'm saying. Like you really truly do, you know, and that's, you know, that's number one, I think for me.
0: Well, it, it shows in the experiences you create in the cocktails you create in the food you create. Like if someone goes to either fizzy's or night owl and doesn't feel that, then they're just not going to feel it in, in any restaurant or bar. Well, I appreciate I that. Think, Thank you. Yeah. That was very nice. I, I am a huge fan of both places. Um, night owl, especially. And again, like we focus very heavily on night owl in this episode, and I would love to have you guys back sometimes to focus sure. more on fizzies. Sure. But I would highly encourage anyone to visit either of these establishments, whether you're going late night after service or whether you're going at, you know, five 30 or whatever, and just grabbing a burger, you're going to have a great time. Just maybe don't bring your kids because <laughs> that's going to lead yeah, to an right. awkward conversation. So, Noah, thank you,
1: thank you for saying that.
0: Too. Noah and Katie, thank you so much for the time today. This has been even more fun than I imagined it was oh, going to be, and I had high expectations you. coming in.
2: We had fun too.
1: This oh, was this is amazing. Thank you, Dan. Very nice.
0: All right, Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us.
2: Ahora Media Production.